It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, good evening, and welcome to 2019. Here we are. And look, we've got a whole new cast in of new people you've never, ever heard before. We have uh, Gary Hayes over here with a new haircut. He looks, you look about 12, but then you've you still got your beard, which makes you look 43. So Just it's reinforces my position as the sex symbol on this podcast. And still delusional and obviously still drunk. My New Year's resolution is to be more vapid. Ah, okay. That's going to be huge. Um, Is your New Year's resolution to actually work out what the word vapid means? I fully know what vapid means. What does it mean? It means you're very conceited. Hmm. You're very much up your own proverbial. And would you say you're getting up there? And just the fact that I know it and I can say it so confidently proves the point. I'm living up to my resolution. Oh my gosh. I'm a writer, Andy. Oh, well. And that is who you heard. It's actually, oh, there's coughing Gary Hayes who says he's still unwell and got a bit of a chest infection. So um, it's Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And uh, just so everyone knows, we're doing this on a Tuesday evening before the Tottenham game. And we're going tonight, aren't we? We are. And we're, ju- we're on the Pentonville Road now. We are. We're on the Pentonville Road. We so. are technically North London. Ooh, it's horrible up here. Aren't we? Yeah, we it's, are. An N, it's an N postcode here, isn't it? It is an N. Yeah. It's definitely I just so. left Wembley. Did what you? Were, what were you doing at Wembley? It's where my office is when I... Hot desk. What? So, okay. So you're working for the FA? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, right, I'm on Wembley Way, what, oh. Olympic Way, as it's officially known. Who right. sells programmes. Yeah, but I'm in an office that is just... A few metres away from the stadium. Okay. And as I left, it was filled with salesmen selling uh, half and half scarves. And I thought, good luck. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's a half and half scarf you wouldn't expect to see too many go tonight, wouldn't you think? What do you think of the half and half scarf thing? I, I absolutely... Well, okay. It's really hard. Um, this week... Uh, we went with some friends and they brought some friends who were Forest fans and for them they bought a half and half scarf and they thought it was fantastic and I bit my lip because I actually hate them I what think about what about if you're a neutral what about if you've come along as a friend of someone that you haven't really got an affiliation with either side but you want a memento of the game as a souvenir are you accepting of it isn't that what creates such bad atmospheres and grounds too many neutrals but, well you we have to accept that people do come I as know. neutrals yeah i know. mean i suppose as a souvenir they're, they're I, I just i think that's the only that's the only time it's really acceptable I mean, I think if you're a fan of either club and you buy a half and half scarf, yeah, that's just downright weird. Yeah, but I, I but if you're a great. neutral, I think it's quite a good way of saying, I'm a neutral. You know, I mean, if you're sitting in the stand with, with that on, basically going, I don't have a dog in this fight, I'm just here to enjoy the football, yeah. that's perfectly fine. Yeah, if you sat in the neutral end at Craven Cottage or something. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Um, I didn't even know about that till that yeah. was a thing recently. But, that, but, hold, on, I, hold on, hold on, hold on, we're back They up. have a neutral, they have a neutral uh, part of the Next ground. Next to the away fight. end. 
end at, at Craven Cove. Cottage. Yeah. So it's Newtown. next to the cottage as where the players come out. That's so you've got the Johnny Haynes stand that runs yeah. like parallel with the pitch and the Hammersmith ends up the other end then it's the other end behind the goal. Yeah. So, and that's just for people who happen to be passing Fulham. Well, it's Fulham, isn't it? Just, it's a gentleman's club. Just want yeah. to come and have a, have a, come a, and watch. watch a game of football. You're a fan of both teams? Yeah. How interesting. But I, I must own up, I have a half and half scarf. Right. From when Chelsea played Rapid Vienna a few, year, a few summers ago and I went to that to cover the game because it was Conte's first game and I bought a half and half scarf on the Why way did in. you buy it? What was your thinking? Well, because it's the thing, I don't agree that they should have Spurs, Chelsea half and half scarves but when it's a, an occasion that sort of merits it, it was the opening of the new Rapid Vienna Stadium and it was sort of like a ceremonial thing for them and it was Conte's first game so sort of like marked an occasion I don't know about you but I've got loads of scarves at home you know like you know I've picked up over the years various you know scarves the last thing I want is another scarf you know what <laughs> I mean that, that I'll never wear I mean you'll probably never wear the Chelsea Rapid no, Vienna scarf you, you might wear it ironically it's, it's sort of like but it's not fans, something you'll wear is yeah, it no, would you keep it but well just, it's in amongst all my programmes but that's the thing is fans buy a programme that they read on the day and I'll never read again but then it gives like when I've got a programme from my very first Chelsea match in 1991 against Liverpool we won 4-2 David Speedy scored two for Liverpool. Kerry Dixon scored for us. Um, my dad's writing is still on that programme for what the team was. And that, to me, gives me... Well, that has real significance. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, so I, what but... I'm saying is that it connects you to that game. And I think the half-and-half half scarf, sort of, especially if you're an overseas fan, you don't get to watch Chelsea a lot or you don't get to no, watch the team a lot. No, I guess that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So it's something yeah. you're never going to wear. Yeah. But it's something you can just pack away in your study that sits in a drawer that when you see it, it just gives you that... Memory, it's like smelling the onions of the burger again. I suppose, I suppose, it's yeah. mementos, no. isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. It's something that has resonance. It's something that reminds you. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I could imagine that you, when you went to um, uh, Azerbaijan, you could have bought one of exactly. their club scarves as a memento. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't. I didn't. Because no. it's, it's not like you're buying something from Anfield, is it? No. No. no, so I mean, it's, it's all about memory, I guess. So back to the half and half scarf. I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. If you support a club properly, you're not going to buy it. If it's a nice day out. Okay, going off piece slightly, and I know we've got a lot to cover, so I'll keep this very brief. What do we think of the club shop at the moment? Because obviously, under the new Nike deal, Nike have basically turned the club shop into a superannuated Nike town. Uh, and you can't now buy rubbish little key rings and packs of cards and uh, shot glasses and tumblers like you used to do. You can only really, really buy £80 vaporware, Chelsea shirts and expensive training gear. Um, and now I always thought that the club shop was, a, was an excuse to go and buy some cheap souvenir tap for exactly what you're talking about, for memorabilia, for a memory of the game or for stocking fillers or whatever. You can't do that anymore. Really? I think it's a disgrace. You, you, honestly, going to the club shop these days, it's Nike Town. Oh, that's, that's really wrong. I mean, what's the matter? What, you, you're happy with that, are you? Yeah, I think it's all right. Well, you, so but you you got, you're the man who just said you've got an office full of half and half scarves. Well, I've got one. Yeah, that's but cool. I bought it from a street vendor. I bought it from a street vendor. I didn't buy it from the club. But so you I don't, don't buy you it don't, from Rapid Vienna. You don't think that people going to the ground? This, I've seen all this. I've, I've seen this stuff discussed, and I think didn't the supporters trust have a meeting with Nike over it yeah. or something like that? And I just thought. Did you go in and buy this stuff anyway? Because I know when I worked for the club, the complaint was, well, it's official stuff. I ain't buying it. I know, I and now it's, not, it. now it's not there. People are complaining. I'm like, Look, do you really care about a polyester teddy? No, you don't. Well, I think you, I think you, you know? do. If, look, I think if you're going, if, you know, for example, I took my uh, 10-year-old nephew to his first game. And he went along and we went in the club shop and, you know, I bought him a, you know, whatever. I can't remember what I bought him, but it was like, I bought him a shirt, obviously. So you can't get a fridge magnet? Yeah, exactly. Oh. All that but stuff. But I, I think that it's All great. All that stuff, which, which, you know, which fans want. They want cheap souvenir tags. Go to the street vendors. you mean you can't buy a go mouse street, pad? Go, go to the street vendors and get that stuff. But even the street vendors are limited. You can get the key rings and the pin badges, which I think is, if anything... That allows the street vendors to have a niche. Whereas but Gary, in- can you get a Chelsea snow globe from them? No, you can't. <laughs> Did you ever have a Chelsea snow globe? Yes, man. You, yeah, you're really going down the wrong tack with him. That is, that is Mr. <laughs> See, Tat sorry, over I'm there. Coming as a He'll slag you off for having one half and half scarf, but he's got snow globes, fridge magnets. I bet Andy's <laughs> one of those people that when it's Christmas, he has like a winter wonderland out front of his house with all these horrible blue lights. Chelsea and, reindeers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The blow up Santa that's like, did you never have the really crappy Chelsea watch? 
What, the one that said Chalisa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you no. never, did you never have the really crappy Chelsea identity no, bracelet? I remember, What's the matter with you? I remember in Peterborough Market, I felt really bad for my mum because she bought me for my birthday a Chelsea bracelet and it said uh, Chelsea on it and it was like one of those named ones. You know where it's like... Yeah, yeah. Chunky Essex ones. Oh, I was disgusted. I was like 10 years. I was like, what is this? I'm wearing that. <laughs> and her face was like, but it's Chelsea. I was like, I don't care. I was like, well, I'm not wearing that. Did you say you mug to her? Well, I'm not wearing that, you mug. Yes, yeah, along those lines. <laughs> right. Anyway, we'll anyway, digress. Yeah, let, let, let's move on. Um, just to say, we've now set the tone for 2019 for the podcast here. We, Can we're we just say spend... 2019 as well? Hey, all this 2019. 2019. Come Why? on, compact it. I think no, I like 2000. It's, it's <laughs> elegant. Rather than like you see, that's what happens now. People just shrink everything down. Everything has to be smaller. Well, the important 2019. That's where we are. Or 2019 in Gary's world. Thank you. What's on the agenda, Kel? So the agenda. Um, well, it's been a very busy Christmas. Um, and I thought rather than go through games specifically, because there's been so many, I think we could talk about our highs and lows of the whole period, how we feel we've done, what what we feel has been the underlying sort of emotional sense of how Christmas has panned out with us. Often it's not that good for us. This year, it's been really variable, hasn't it? It's been, you know, one minute we're, we're really good, the next minute we're really not handling games. And it, it, there's no consistency. And what have you made of your Christmas with Chelsea? Well, I think it's, it's been unenjoyable, to be honest. I mean, I, I remember saying after the Southampton game um, that... I feel, certainly for the games before that, I really feel like I'm going out of duty and sort of habit rather than, you know, really looking forward to the games. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, uh, very dull, um, uninspiring football um, with no real end product and, you know, and and not enjoying it, frankly. Um, And I feel we're at a stage with Chelsea where something has to happen to kick us out of this sideway passing groove um, into, you know, in, into a rhythm that's going to propel us forward. Because at the moment it feels like we're treading water or even going backwards. Do you not think that actually what Sarri is trying to do may not be achievable with the players he's got? Because everyone goes on about Sarri ball doesn't work. But Sarri ball in itself... Re- relies on movement and quick okay, movement. Listen, uh, first of all, I, I don't buy this Sarri ball okay. concept anyway. I mean, I think it's it's all very well having a philosophy. It's all very well having a vision. I, I'm supportive. I think I don't think you should come into a club without a philosophy or a vision of how you want to play. I think you know a manager has to have the overarching narrative of how he wants a team to play. However, what annoys me is people turning around and saying he hasn't got the players. Well, fine, he hasn't got the players. I get it. He needs a striker. He probably needs another winger. He probably needs to think about how he's going to play that midfield with no goals in it probably needs another centre-back I get all that we all get that that's not rocket science he doesn't have those players so he's got to change so so that's the point isn't it you don't just keep banging your head against a brick wall until your skull fractures you go out there and work to the players you've got strengths you come up with systems uh, and uh, and formations that play to your players you know existing players strengths and you try a plan B until you get a system that works until you can get those players that fit your philosophy you don't just pig-headedly go out there and play the same system and the same players every week because that won't work. What do you think, Gary? <clears throat> Sorry, Gary? I agree with Andy, but at the same time, you look at what Guardiola did at City, they had that dodgy first season, and then what did he do? He went out and spent half a billion on the, the full-backs he needed, and then it sort of got his system up and running. So the, 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 the problem is of it, and I think whoever the manager was after Conte was going to have an issue because since Chelsea won the Champions League, um, we've had five managers, um, including you know, temporary Gus Hiddink. Um, and of that Champions League squad in the last, you know, soon to be seven years come May, only Gary Cahill and David Luiz remain at that team in that team. So you've seen rapid change at a time where you've got rapid change of managers and it's become a patchwork quilt of a club and a patchwork quilt of a, a squad. And I just think that any manager is going to struggle to impart their philosophy on it. Now, for better or worse, whatever you think of Sarri, 
he needs to be given time to establish a style within that club and a philosophy because he's inherited a club that's got no footballing philosophy at the moment and he needs to be able to put his players in there. Now, he's got some players that are capable of doing it but then he has got you know, square pegs and round holes at the same time which, and I see what he's trying to do and he's trying to impart his philosophy on it. This is not it. what you were saying before the pod. No, no, but... but well, I'll, I'll get to what I was saying about the pod. I, I can understand from his perspective. But equally, I'm struggling to feel any affection for this team because mm. I, I understand his, you know, not being partisan about it, I understand the manager's position and what he's trying to do. It doesn't mean I like it. And it doesn't mean I haven't got a problem with him. I, I don't know him. I've never met him. But I think he's too passive to be a Chelsea manager. And I think what you're seeing now is the reason why he's never won a trophy. Interesting. So you think that he should be given time, but what we're going to discover in that time is not success? Maybe, but I I just think if you you get a project, you've got to stick with it. And my biggest regret for Chelsea, I don't care about the Champions League that year. I know it sounds stupid, but my biggest regret was they turned their back on AVB. And I know obviously AVB went to Spurs and sort of set it up for what Pochettino's got now. And then he went to Zenit and didn't really do much. And now he's rallying cars in South America or whatever. But he came in with his five-year plan. And we yeah, but saw... I, I think AVB, in retrospect, would have been a disaster. I, 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 I don't, don't know. I, I don't think, think it, it would have I been. Think, well, he, I think you have to look where he is now. Yeah, you but... Know, he couldn't even really make it work in Russia to any great But degree. the thing is, I think someone like him, he sort of got burned and he was young and he got burned and yeah, he sort of... I think he was probably over-promoted. I, I, look, is I, I, my view on AVB. Probably was over-promoted and that didn't do any, any favours. On the Sarri side of things, you're right when you turn around and say we've got to give him time. I'm certainly not in the Sarri out camp, not in any... Strong... No, no, I'm not saying you are, but it's just no. a case of it's, it's frustrating it seeing is, what it is. Yeah, and I think that, you know, after half a season to turn around and say, you know, he's got to go is stupid. I mean, it's moronic. I think, you know, he hasn't got the players. He wants to impose a philosophy. My frustrations come from his refusal to match teams to other teams' philosophy. And and I've said this, you know, many times on this podcast. It's all very well at home setting up in the way that you want to set up. You can't do that in every away game. You can't go to every away game and just say, I'm not even going to look at how the other team play. It's about what we play. Because that is Arsene Wenger. That's what Arsene Wenger did. And that didn't end well. Okay, so, so on that point, and we're doing things slightly a different way round today because we normally talk about this at the end, but I think it's quite interesting what you're saying about the home and the away approach. Tonight against Tottenham, what would you... Well, A, what do we think he'll do? And B, what do we think he should do? The I, two different things. Look, I don't know. Uh, what time is it? Um, I don't know. Um, we haven't got a team yet. We're a long way off getting the team. But... Um, I think I think I've just got a gut feeling that he might go false nine, that he might go hazard um, up front for this one. Um, I think that he will play counter attacking football more than he did in the last game. Look, Gary's shaking his head. I, I don't no, know. I, I, I think he might. I think he might. I think he has to learn from the Spurs thing. If he doesn't. Then I think he's. I think. I think there's something desperately wrong. I Remember think... after the first Spurs game, and we were chatting on the phone, and I said, regardless of what happened there, he is not going to change what he's doing because managers of his frame of mind, Wenger, Guardiola, Sarri, they've got ultimate belief in their way, and their way is everything, and they will not change from it. You, you know, Chelsea are predictable. You know how they're going to play. If false nine or Morata, then. Well, he'll play false nine because he hasn't got the confidence in Morata. I don't think he has either. But he won't think, what we'll do is we'll change the midfield round and maybe what we'll do is we'll play a 4-2-3-1. No, I don't think he'll do that. No, what, what I'm saying is that... sit deeper. But you, you, I don't even think he will because he doesn't know how to counter-attack because his, his football, you know, like we said so many times this year, is that his football is to say, we don't care about what you're going to do because we're going to have the ball so much that you can't do anything with it. So sitting back and countering in that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist in so his philosophy. He, well, I, I totally get I don't think he's going to suffer without the ball, as other managers but, but would he, say. Yeah, but he, even but, sitting back and trying to counter a team, that's not in his style, because he, wants to, he, he believes in you win matches by playing the ball around in their final third more because you're around their goal more, and that's where goals are scored. He doesn't believe in trying to hit teams and, and you know, break them I in the way that we, we did in the past. I think he'll see a little bit deeper. I, I, I no. genuinely do. Um, see, and what, what he should do is, and he won't do it, but what he should do is he should play, he should look at it and say... As cliched as it is, 
it's a game of two legs. This game isn't won tonight, isn't lost tonight. He should play the game and say, look, we're, we're going to Wembley where we just got turned over and, and we're a week the other, you know, in November and we looked really poor. We should go in, we should snuff the threat, we should get Deli Ali and put Kante on him and just shadow him all night. We should cut off Ericsson and by doing that, he cut off the supply line to Harry Kane. That's how we're going to play. Yeah. Yeah, but he won't do play that. For a draw. He-, he won't do that. What he'll do is he'll go out and say, we're going to dominate the possession and we're going to be able to, you know, to play football in their half and we'll win the match by passing them into submission. All right, okay. And Spurs will turn it and they'll go, right, we're going to let them play like that and we're going to have Son with his pace, we're going to have Harry Kane with his pace and we're going to turn the ball, we're going to hit them real quick and we're going to bypass their press by putting the ball over the top and that's how Son scored his goal at Wembley yeah, yeah. the other okay, week. Okay, let, 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 let's, let's assume that's going to happen. All right, that, that's fair enough. Um, and, and, you know, you may be right. You may very well be right. But when we didn't change our tactics against Man City and we just went at them. In fact, when we scored, we doubled down. We actually pushed on even harder. It worked. Yeah. So maybe there's, a, maybe there's something in that philosophy <laughs> that turns around and says, maybe I won't change it. Maybe I'll just go well, twice but, as hard. But that's what I'm saying about but, ultimate belief in the yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe actually, you're right. I'm, I'm agreeing but, with you. Yeah. But I, I think this hits on another point which I'm intrigued about. And this is kind of what we've seen this whole Christmas period, the up and down, that actually it's down to the players to decide to, to play in certain ways and to be up for certain games. That Man City game, that was the best atmosphere we've had for the last few years in that ground because the players made the fans enjoy the game. It was exciting. We were, we were fantastic. We played the best game of football that we've done for a long time. And then suddenly you can have other games like, you know, Southampton, like Leicester, where we never look up for it. And is this not a, a, a problem that we've had with an awful lot of these players in Chelsea sides over the last two to four years that we are no longer that consistent machine that knows exactly what its identity is? Sarri looks as bemused as anyone else when things A, don't work, or B, do work. Because sometimes it's the same players. Well, I think we've got an identity. I just don't think it's one that works. Yeah. I think there's there's two problems. Uh, One, against the better teams who actually want to go at you, I'm not saying Spurs are going to trounce Chelsea and they're going to fall into a trap or anything. What I'm saying is Spurs will say, okay, look, we'll pick them off and we'll play this way. But when teams want to go to Chelsea, that's when this team's better. So I think you'll always see Chelsea have better performances against the bigger teams. Because when you look at it, Spurs aside, against the bigger teams this year... They have competed and what have only lost to Spurs. Yeah. Um, and the frustration because is. Because we can pick them off. Yeah. And, but then also, though, as well, is that because of the way they're trying to play, because they're confident in their own, their own ability, is that it's not about picking them off, it's just that it suits us more. No, well, Whereas, it is because if you look at the teams that we've really struggled against, you know, your, your Leicesters and your Southamptons, it's a low block. So that, that's what I was about to get to. Is yeah. that, so against the bigger teams, or the teams that want to play football more, like Bournemouth as well. They're, be- they're better equipped. Whereas when they play the other teams, I think the problem is they get tired. They get tired in the mind of, here's another pass, here's another pass, here's another pass. And the criticism of like Ross Barkley after the Palace game, I was like, I don't think you get it because you're criticising him, saying the guy is not passing the ball forward and he's in the team to pass the ball forward. He's getting the ball in the final third against a Palace team that's defending on the six-yard line. Mm. Where is he going to pass the ball forward? Oh, All his passes are sideways. Why? Because they're trying to pull players out of position. And everyone's going, eh, Barkley, you did this. No, you don't understand it because he's not in that team to be pinging the ball forward and keep it going. That's what Jorginho's doing. And Barkley's there to be the link player between the attack, you know, the, the inside yeah. forwards and Jorginho. But when you are basically on the edge of their 18-yard box, where are you going to pass the ball forward? There is no way to pass it forward. So you pass it back, trying to bring that low block up, but they're just like, we're not moving. Yeah. We're not going to move. And it, and it takes is, a it moment of brilliance from David yeah. Luiz to break that down. And we had and that it, under Mourinho, remember? Mourinho faced a lot did. of that. A lot yeah. of one... People forget the amount of 1-0, you know, boring games that we played under Mourinho when we won the league. And it was exactly. basically, we just break Especially that Especially that 05-06 season. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, sorry, go and on. The, other, the other thing that I think a lot of teams have done is they've <clears throat> really made Chelsea play narrow. We haven't used the wings. This is why, if we go back to, to the last game, okay, against Forest, we all know that that was, you know, what they are, championship side. But what was intriguing, and, and we'll talk about him a bit more later as well, hudson Odoi was not particularly effective in the first half, and everyone was trying to shrink and make everything narrow, as we have done all Christmas, and we've, nobody's gone wide. 
Once he switched to the right-hand side, he suddenly had the chance and the ability to go on the outside and get the crosses in for Morata. And that's something we, you know, we have seen very little of, as you and I were talking, Andy, earlier. The only other person who occasionally goes on the outside of a player and crosses from the byline is William. But as you say, you know, he's got poor... He, lack, he lacks a final product. Exactly. Yeah, so look, so, so the, that's interesting, isn't it? In, in, in the, you know, the, the putting the crosses in thing, two crosses come in, two goals. Yeah, for from a man who supposedly can't score any goals, yeah. puts them in What have we said easy. about the service to him throughout yeah, the season? Exactly. He's been poor. I, it, I don't think Morata has done himself any favours. You know, I think everybody's rightly frustrated with Alvaro Morata. I'm certainly not an apologist for him. I think that he has not covered himself in glory with his body language or, you know, his taking of opportunities you know or his mental or physical applications in some games I, I mean I think I put I, I agree with all of that however give him the right service and he is pretty lethal he's brilliant in the air there's no doubt about that he is brilliant in the air and you know in and around the six yard area you know give or take the uh, you know the occasional offside <laughs> blasting over the bar he knew um, he was offside he knew he was offside um, you know, he's pretty like good that. you know the way he got in front of the uh, the first man at Forest yeah alright it's only Forest and that you know that but it's the movement it's it's the, the, it's the desire a, and the understanding very, of making the yes. move. and he can he's he's a you know he is an intelligent footballer you know he he can make that 10 yard run he can do it See, what what he's not particularly good at is you know feeding the ball for him for him to run on you know 20 25 yards with the ball you know because he hasn't got that mental strength to do that the Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrooks what I don't like about the Morata situation is that if he doesn't score, he's a joke. And then when he does score, oh, it's a joke he scored. Yeah, or he's too miserable. The alerts I was getting and seeing on Twitter, oh, Morata scored. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, like, the guy is damned if he scores and he's damned if no, he doesn't I mean, score. what makes me laugh is like, Morata, you're a useless donkey. You know, score a goal. Oh, Morata scores. Morata, you're disrespecting that, us. That's what I'm saying. You're disrespecting us for not a, celebrating. He's, he's damned if he scores. And then what he does is that okay, look, it's against Liverpool and it's not Forrest. I understand and appreciate it, but Aguero nicks in front of Lovren with absolutely, you know, brilliant forward play. Yeah. And I know he had a lot more to do than what Rata did for that first goal, but it's still the basics of being a striker. It's the same principle. And he does it and Aguero is lauded. Okay, obviously Aguero's got six, seven years of doing it in the Premier League to back him up. But still, you still appreciate a striker for doing it. That was a superb goal, though. Yeah, oh, it was. It yeah, was it was. incredible. But I know what you mean. His, his movement, and it is, you know, the thing you keep hearing is that, well, when Morata doesn't have to think, he's a really decent striker. Well, yeah, yeah but that's he what a striker... He is an instinctive striker. Totally. He is. He so, is. is this not a case, going back to your point about Sarri, that actually you've got to look at what you've got and play to your strengths rather than try and keep putting square pegs in round holes. Well, one of the problems, I think, with the Sarri formation is it does require, you know, uh, the team to move as a unit forward. Yeah, it does. Um, and often, you know, we've had the ball in wide areas, able to cross it, and there's been nobody in the box, you yeah. know. Or you've got Morata against three or four defenders. You or know, and cut inside and cross, which is yeah, so irritating. Yeah, and so, you know, the problem is, that unless you... I mean, you noticed in the Forest game, there were three or four players in the box. You know, there were players getting forward. Now, that's probably, you know, due to the, you know, forest, the, the standard yeah. of the midfield players, you know, not tracking and whatever. But, you know, if you looked in certainly the Southampton and the, and, the, and the Leicester games the most frustrating thing was whenever the ball did come over there was no one in the box and that reminds me of you know Torres being massively out of position yep. or, or strikers without confidence being you know out on the wing because they're going chasing the ball now unless we can go forward as a unit and flood the box because one thing you can say about any of those other teams whether it's Tottenham or Liverpool or, or you know Arsenal at the moment you know Man United or Man City they've always flood the box there's always players in the box and we are lacking in that but I think as well again this isn't to say that given the players and everything works but at the same time he hasn't got the same sort of dynamic player that he's got no got, goals from midfield he's got, got no instinctive goal play, uh, uh, ball players from midfield so, so those players from midfield are not instinctively getting in the box yep. like Frank Lampard would do or Ramirez would do or Balak or Essien one of those players would do you know those goal scoring midfield players who sniff out an opportunity we don't have those players their job is to kind of create the opportunities to get to the box and then we've got nothing in there yeah exactly I, I, okay so what we've, we've seen is this variable, variable period over the whole Christmas um, and it's kind of frustrating, but we, we are moving into a January which looks as though it might be a key moment for Chelsea for the next couple of years because from what we can gather, 
there may be the possibility of transfer bans and all the rumours going around and things happening. It does look as though Chelsea may make a lot of signings or try to make a lot of signings in and out through this January to cover themselves if a ban comes in. And, you know, we're linked today with two or three players and it's some of them are supposedly done deals. One of them, of course, is this talk about Hudson Adoy, who we've just mentioned, you know, who's apparently refusing to sign a contract at Chelsea um, and wants to go. Now, we've talked about this in the past. It, it doesn't make sense to me a player who has been at one place since he was eight, finally starting to get a chance to get into the first side, is in pole position to take a spot from one of the over-30s, and it's all coming to fruition at the right sort of time. Now, I know you've got your own views that maybe his head's being turned by other people, but hudson Adoy is not being not looked at. He is not being not played. He is 18 years of old, and he is getting more chances in this first team than any other youngsters usually do at Chelsea, and he's showing himself to be potentially a very good player. He is. Okay, first thing to say is there is no such thing as a done deal in football unless the player is standing on the pitch at their new club holding up the shirt. Holding a, not a half and half scarf. Yeah, and it's on the, you know, it's on the official club website with the, you know, with the managing director signing the contract. Until that happens, it's not a done deal. Well, Sesk proves that because he's been in Monaco since the weekend. They've called him back. Exactly. So, you know, it's not a done deal. You know, international football transfers are complex financial instruments. You know, there's, there's no such thing as a done deal. Also, you know, I've said this Many, many times, none of us are privy to the behind-the-scene uh, behind conversations. We do not know what's happening with Callum Hudson-Odoi. We do not know whether his head has been turned by his brother, who's his agent, or by Bayern Munich tapping him up. We don't know that. We don't know what the offers are from Chelsea. It's all conjecture. And people getting themselves in a tizzy about, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi might be sold are kind of wasting their energy, really, because we don't know. And all this, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bayern Munich have, you know, have made all these offers. We don't know that. That's just paper talk as far as I'm concerned. So that, that's to say that, first of all. In terms of Callum Hudson-Odoi, I have a very clear view on this. You have to sign the contract or you need to leave because ultimately you cannot hold us to ransom. You've got 18 months left on your contract. You are a depreciating asset moving forward. Now, I know that's really harsh. Nobody wants him to stay more than me. I think he's a very, very talented, exceptional young player. I hope, I really hope he stays because I think he can be a mainstay on the wing at our football club for many years to come. But if he's not going to stay, then we have to maximise his commercial value. And if he's not going to sign that contract, the, the clock is ticking. You know, So I don't know what Chelsea are putting on the table for him. I hope they put enough for him. But if he's going to go, he's going to go. And there's no point wailing and gnashing our teeth. That is, unfortunately, modern international elite football. Do you not think also, though, this is all coming to fruition, again, for the, the things we're talking about, possible transfer bans, that this is something that probably would have happened in the summer is happening now, and even Munich is sniffing it out. Because, of course, if the window shuts, nobody can... And he hasn't gone anywhere. If we get a transfer ban... Nothing can happen until he either signs a contract or just walks away in 18 months' time. So everything is potentially being brought forward. Do you think that that is a reality, this transfer window ban? Yeah, but uh, just to add to Andy's point, I think there's, on hudson Adoy, there's, there's, there's two parts to it. Firstly, if I'm on the board at Chelsea negotiating these deals and they know there's transfer bans coming, I'll just say to him, you're staying for 18 months because that 30 million we're getting for you now, it's, not, it's worth squat. What we're going to do with our 30 million, it's worth nothing. We're going to keep you for 18 months and what we're going to do is we're going to prove to you that you've got a future and you are going to get games and then when you're getting games, your little so-and-so who've done nothing in the game whatsoever to demand a move, you're going to sign this contract and you're going to stay here because you're going to see the fact that there's no there's a transfer ban and you're needed. So we're going to make you sign it. You know what, if you're going 18 months, then we've risked it. But that 30 million we're getting now is worth nothing anyway. And then what we can say to the fan base is we try to keep him he left and played a PR game off. We wanted him to stay, so he's not your hero anymore because he wanted to trade in the blue shirt for the red of Bayern Munich or whatever. Secondly, though, as I'm talking from the club's perspective there, if I'm hudson Adoy, I'm thinking I'm getting out of this place because I've got Bayern Munich chasing me who want me. They're offering me a number 10 shirt. And, yeah, it's all coming together at a perfect time where suddenly Pedro and William are older and the club needs me. And I'm thinking I might get you know, more game time, etc. I don't think the Pulisic deal does anything whatsoever because he's coming in as a replacement for Pedro and William anyway. I don't see him being ahead of Hudson-Odoi in terms of a so-called pecking order 
as a replacement for him. But equally, when the club's been in this position in the more recent past, they've turned their back on a young players coming through. Look at Loftus-Cheek last year. They signed Bakayoko for 40 million and farmed Loftus-Cheek out of Palace. They should never have spent 40 million on Bakayoko and they should have given Loftus-Cheek the chance. So you can look at it from both sides that the club should hold him to ransom and say, the 30 million's worth nothing because we're loaded anyway. We're going to keep you here and hopefully you sign a contract. Or for hudson Odoi, he says, well, I want to leave because you've got no track record of bringing any player through because outside of John Terry, for the last 20 years, his club has done nothing for the youth team players that have come through. And Jody Morris says it. Yeah. Look what Jody Morris is talking about. There's no pathway. Yeah. So until the club can prove that, you can see why these players want to leave. I think there is a kind of febrile mood amongst Chelsea fans to play the youth. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's something that I always find puzzling. It's, if they're good enough, they're good enough. You know, I've always said that. And, I, you know, you know let, me, let me read some names out to you. Patrick Bamford, Nathan Ake, Dominic Solanke, uh, Chalaba, you know, there's, I can keep going. What of all those? Josh McEachran. Josh McEachran. What of all Jeffrey those? Jeffrey Bruma, Patrick Je- Van Arnhol. Yeah, I mean, look, all those players were at some point in their careers the next big thing. You know, the next thing to come out of the Chelsea Academy. I don't think you can argue that any of those players that we've just read out have reach the heights that Chelsea fans thought they might. You know, that they're either at Watford or Bournemouth or, you know, lower Premier League clubs or championship clubs, you know, and I think there's such a desperate need for youth players to come through that we get blinded by, in inverted commas, potential and not the reality. I do think Callum Hudson-Odoi is the exception. I genuinely do. I think he is a special, special player and we should fight tooth and nail to keep him. However, there is a commercial reality here in that the ball is pretty much in his court. He either signs the contract or he doesn't. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then we are kind of almost obliged to get the most money possible for but it. But then there's the other point that Gary's making about the money that actually doesn't mean anything to us at this moment in time if a transfer it's, it's, ban it's is a coming. Yeah. It doesn't, so, it's, to, not, to replace you know, it's a pittance, but it's also 30 million quid. Oh, no, no. But what I mean is in the transfer market, I know it's 30 million quid towards another player, but I just mean in the transfer market with a looming transfer ban, let's, let's say that comes in the summer. But are you allow, you're allowed the player to... player is you, worth you, more to you, you than must, 30 million. You must be allowed to sell players because no. you can't keep players... No, no, no. You, you, can, you can do what you want. You can sell players. Yeah. You just can't register new players. That's what I'm saying. So... Right, okay. You can't but keep a player a, a under club, hostage. A club right. isn't going to be silly and sell players when they can't replace them. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think that from the club's perspective, they should look at it and think, look, we've got 18 months, or okay, we've got 12 months to prove to him that the ban is here. You are going to play. I don't disagree And with if you. he gets games, you say to him, and that's what I'm saying about the PR game, play the PR game, you know, and just like Chelsea, that Ken Bates did it with Graham Stewart all those years ago, you know, and held into ransom so much so that he was the love boy of the Chelsea fans, and what then he goes to Everton. Explain, explain the situation. Well, he goes to Everton, and Chelsea fans lose their... Oh, look, I remember, I remember Jason Cundy going to Tottenham and Chelsea fans losing there. Yeah, and, what, and why Cundy didn't want to leave. Like, I remember speaking, Gordon Jury. I remember getting the bus. I got an open-top bus to the 2009 League Cup final with Jason and all the other old boys. I was Jason doing a, Cundy. Yeah, and I was doing a feature for Chelsea magazine. And, you know, it was like Roy Bentley and all that on there. And it was the game we lost when Woodgate scored and Berbatov got that penalty. And um, I said to Jason, oh, split lawyers today, they, uh, Jason. He went mental. Don't ever ask me that question again. And I was like, why? He goes, why would I have split loyalties? He goes, because you used to play for Spurs. He went, yeah, I was made to play for Spurs. He goes, I don't want to go there. I don't want to play for them, but I had to do it. And Yeah, and Mickey Hazard would say the other thing the other way around. Yeah, yeah. and Graham Roberts says the same thing. What would Glenn Hoddle say? Well, you know what Glenn Hoddle would say. Hoddle turned down Spurs because he'd given his word to Chelsea. Yeah. But, you know, Cundy was incandescent. He's like, borderline, I despise him. Mm. You know, but he had to go there because a professional. The, but the, Bates, the, he played the PR game of him. That's what I'm saying. Chelsea just so played a PR game of like, look, you know that you think that you think you got all the power, even though you've done nothing in your career. You think you got all the power because you're one of the youth. You got 18 months left. Um, you know, you're starting to get some performances that look good on YouTube highlights reels, right? You think you got the power? Okay, well, we'll just sit on it for 18 months, and if it costs us 30 million then that 30 million in PR is worth so much more because yeah, they, they also, can use him as a case study to say, 
We wanted him to stay. Oh. We gave him matches. But you can also to, point... To with all the other, the other young players coming And you through. can point at Dominic Solanke. I was just going to say. And Dom- just say, look what Dominic Solanke did. He agitated and agitated yeah. for a move to Liverpool. He spent two years sitting on the bench, and now he's at Bournemouth, where he'll probably sit on the bench behind King and, and Wilson. You know what I mean? The crazy thing like, is, Bournemouth paid £20 million for Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, and then you look at Sammy Abraham, you know, who's turned down a move to Wolves today, I think, to stay at Aston Villa. Yeah, but that's only because he's worried that if he leaves Villa... He can't go back because of the FIFA ruling that he can't play for three teams in one season. Yeah, yeah. Because he played, for us, he played for us in the Community Shield. Now he's on loan at Villa. So if he goes back to Chelsea and cancels the loan deal with Villa and goes to Wolves, he might not be able to play until next season. So right. that's why he's staying for the time being. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So they've got to get the clarity okay, with Okay, there's FIFA. a point. Tammy Abraham, is he good enough as a player? See, this, this is the issue I was going to say, but I don't want to jump in like when he spoke about Bamford. Is when Bamford was getting the Championship Player of the Year with Borough and getting promoted... I think Chelsea should have brought him in and had him as the third choice striker. Because what you lose with these players then is that he goes to Palace, gets injured, loses the momentum, loses the confidence, and then he comes back sort of not the same player. And with these young players, so much is about confidence. And I'm not saying Bamford would have gone on to become a Chelsea player, he but he was you don't too know. slow. You don't know. Didn't have any pace. But you don't know. That's, that's no, yeah, I saying. do know. You I don't do know. know. I watched and, him a lot. He's a championship and, and, player. And with, with Tammy, I just think you spent 32 million on Batshuayi and he's given you exactly what you'd expect from Abraham, which is what you don't know what he's going to give you. So what they should have had is that season that Tammy was coming back from, um, from Bristol City, they should have put him in instead of Batshuayi rather than sending him to Swansea and they, he should have been the, the Tam- fill-in to Diego Costa. Tammy's not the answer. But I'm saying he, he should have been the second choice to Costa and he should have been getting more games because the amount of games that Batshuayi played that season are the exact amount of games that you give a young player when you're blooding them. Yeah, but, but you're paying I, I, 32 million for that never, when you could be I never promoting this young kid. I never kid. thought he was good enough. But, you know, it's, it's like what Tommy Dockett says. I've said it before on this podcast. Tommy Dockett about Peter Osgood. Barry Bridges was an England international. And I, I got Ozzy and I said, Ozzy, you've got 10 games to prove yourself. Go out and do it. I know that is in 1962-63. And it's like, you know, over 50 years ago. But the principle is the same. And he said, the, and Ozzy even said... The faith the manager put in me is I knew I could go out and play crap and I was still starting next week. He didn't have the entire global marketplace to go up against. No, so I understand. It's a different industry now. and it's a, yeah. But I think the principle, the essence of what he was saying is I think true. It's, I think it's very... Let those players know that you've, you've idealistic. got Idealistic. I think it's a very idealistic view. I never thought Tammy Abraham was good enough. I still don't think he's good enough. I think he's, he's reached his level. I think <coughs> there are players that can have very, very good careers in the championship or at the lower ends of the Premier League and do a good job for those type of clubs. You know, I, I don't think Matt, uh, Batshuayi is the answer. I think to be an elite striker for an elite club like Chelsea you've got to be world class and I think it's hard to argue that Tammy Abraham Patrick Bamford are world class there is a question as well that I don't think anyone's asked about the academy now this is just hold on this is an exclusive for the Chelsea podcast <laughs> so the one question is is that everyone gets so because I'm not I guess it's not so much sitting on the fence but I'm not dead against giving these young players a chance, but then I'm a realist going, look, do you want to finish 10th again? You know, like, what's going on? Um, but I just think sometimes the question being asked of the academy is, is the wrong one because I look in and I think, okay, people want these players to come in and do well and they want them to be blooded because they see them doing this amazing, incredible stuff of like seven Youth Cup finals in a row and, you know, matching the Busby Babes and everything else. And I look in and I think, okay, that's fine. But then is the problem the academy? Is the academy creating teams rather than players? Because you look and you think the United Academy has struggled for years, but look what they produced. An England international striker that's absolutely incredible in Rashford, a player that I think if Chelsea fans got offered him, they'd snap him up in an instant and they'd take him over Tammy. And then you look at Liverpool, an academy that's struggled, but they've got Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, they've got... Robertson. No, he's... He didn't no, from Robertson came from Hull. Oh, Scotland. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But they've got individual players that have come through, and that's, that's what you see, that, you know, when the class of 92 being an exception, when these players come through, it's not always three or four of them together. It's like the cream of the crop from that era. And because Chelsea have been such a good team, I look in, I wonder, like, has maybe that sort of, you know, amplified how good these players actually are because they work so good as a unit. I agree that they're a good team, but individually... Lewis, Lewis Baker, look at him. I yeah, mean, individually, maybe they're not as good as we think they are. Now, that's just me sort of trying to rationalise why 
a player hasn't come through. I don't think anybody around this table doesn't want an academy player to come through that we can call our own, that we can look at and, you know, who can be the next John Terry or, you know, a player that, you know, that we can look at and say they've been at our club eight-year-olds, they bleed blue. Nobody doesn't want that. I think all I'm doing, and I I can't speak for you, but all I'm doing is trying to add some pragmatism to that and say just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, but the problem is, is not for anyone in this room, but when you talk about a pragmatic approach with football fans, it, that doesn't exist. And that's the problem. That's why football fans shouldn't run their club. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we've got to wind up in a second. Um, the, the other young player we'll talk about very briefly, um, somebody who we've talked about, we don't know where he plays, ended up playing against Forrest in midfield, um, Ethanampadu, or Scampadu, as I call him, because he was scampering everywhere. And did he not look as though he was... First of all, that's a terrible nickname. No, it's Just not. Stop, it's that, great. stop that immediately. It's brilliant. He no, was no, nobody non-stop. Wants, nobody wants their midfield players to scamper around. Why not? Because I you want think... them to be machines going but, around... You well, know, he's a scampering machine. Scampering still like young. a Labrador puppy. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Look, that's a really interesting... Ampadu's a really interesting case in point. I mean, the problem, problem with Ampadu, and we've, we've highlighted it before, it's not really a problem. The issue is that, where does he play? Is he a centre back? Is he a right back? Is he a midfield player? I thought he looked really comfortable in midfield. I yeah, think that's did. for me. He's he he demonstrated in that game, even though it's just for us, that he looks more of a natural midfielder to me than he does a defender. I don't know how else feels. Just a sense that I got from him. Um, you he know, looks as though he belonged in yeah, midfield. I, I, I lo- he's very mature. He makes good decisions. You know, you can't believe he's so young. I think he's got a brilliant head of him. He looks intelligent. You know, there's there's a lot to to really really like about Ethan Ampadu. But. <sighs> If the Sarri regime lasts more than the average manager has under Abramovich, how does he fit into midfield? Because... Well, there's only three of them. Yeah, but... There's only three of them. That is a problem, isn't it? But if he's going to play in that midfield, he's got to play in Jorginho's role because he's not athletic enough to be either side of him. If you want players that are either side of Jorginho or Ampadu in this case, they've got to be Kevin De Bruyne or someone like that. I know. De Bruyne yeah. plays deeper, but is basically like an inside forward who can defend. Do you play him at centre back? Yeah, but then you look at it there and you're like, well, who's going to play? Would you, would you play Ampadu in the side in, say, a year's time? Do you think he'll become good enough for a Chelsea team? In a team? year? Yeah. No. Two it's years? Not. Maybe two or three years. You think but he's not good enough away? right now, yes. Because you look at, okay, he plays there, then you, you're losing Jorginho, and Jorginho, regardless of criticism, is the heart of that team. Or he Kovacic. Is, he, he is the counterpoint. Yeah, but... See, I was chatting to someone the other day and um, he was just saying about how much he really hopes Kovacic doesn't extend his deal because he does nothing. That's nonsense. No, I agree. He does I, nothing. I love Kovacic. No, I, the energy, no. the tempo you that he brings... don't like him. No. The energy and the tempo that he brings to the team is brilliant. Yeah. I don't think Kovacic has got the players around him. I think that is the problem. I think Kovacic in a team no. where you've got a, you know, a really good quarterback you've got too and much somebody that can thing. score goals, then I think that you know, then, 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 then he's going to operate. At the moment, I don't think he's... I think he's head and shoulders above the other midfielders. In, in, you know. He just doesn't balance that midfield. There's no balance. No, I, don't think that, I don't think the midfield balance him. That's the problem. So yeah, that, but, we can take either but, side but, of the argument. Yeah, I know. But what you're saying, but, though, yeah, you're, what you're saying, saying is that if, if the midfield Jorginho, doesn't balance him in the system that the manager wants to play, then he doesn't play. Well, in the same way, I, mean, I, I can't yeah. disagree no, with that. In the same way that the defence doesn't balance Cahill, so Cahill doesn't play. No, okay, no, no, no. I know what, he's not peak Cahill anymore, but you know what I mean. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I think we would be a better Chelsea team if we had a midfield that accommodated Kovacic. That's my argument. I think we'd be a better Chelsea team if we had midfielders that accommodated Jorginho. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Okay, look. Um, Can I just quick... say one more thing? Well, is it, is it very, very well, long? Well, the thing that I was talking about before we came on, which is my problem with Sarri. And okay. Because I just wanted to articulate it so it was clear. Okay. Because good. I said about Quickly. it was one, two problems. One is that I think the players get tired against the smaller teams having to pass, pass, pass. And I've said this to you before. And I think the other issue is that he's too passive as a coach. Because this was his quote yesterday leading into the Spurs game about when we played Spurs in November. I saw my players in the dressing room after the match. They were destroyed. I realised the real situation. I realised that the match against Tottenham is a very important match for the club, the fans and the players. Uh, duh. You should have known that in July when you took over the club. 
I now, I think you're reading too much. No, it? It, for him to say that, I didn't realise Spurs was a big... Is he saying that? Yeah, I didn't realise it was a big game against Spurs. Well, I don't he think said. he's saying that. I think he's saying it has been emphasised to me now that how big a game this is. But he should know that. Should he? I, I, yeah, I just think that he should come in, he should understand. And this is why I'm really struggling to you know, have any affection for this team because it doesn't feel like a Chelsea team. Now, hopefully it will in time. And maybe it's a, it's a symptom of the changes that we're going through. But I'm sat there watching it thinking... I don't know what this is. I don't know what Chelsea are right now. Now, under Conte, the, the, the most successful Chelsea have ever been, the best teams I've liked at Chelsea were the team that had style and substance. So the person that doesn't like Kovacic was saying, yeah, my team's Hullet, style and substance. My teams are Mourinho and Conte because Conte knew. He un- That's why I loved him so much. I still got so much affection for him. Because when he came in, when he left the club, the quote, and I absolutely love it, is that I will never forget this badge. I'll never forget this colour. And that's the sort of passion that gets pumped into those players in the dressing room and takes them out there with JT, not on my watch. Spurs, you don't come to Stamford Bridge and win on my watch. Now, I know they did under Conte, okay? But the, the sort of performance at Wembley doesn't happen a lot under mm. Mourinho and Conte. It happened under Sarri because he's like, I didn't send the players out prepared for this. You know what I said about midweek? He's not really getting them fired up. He's like, tippy-tappy, let's all pass and let's all have fun. And, you know, um, you know let, let's all do this. And the players aren't necessarily switched on in the way that they necessarily need to be. And I think that's a problem. Okay, well, look, we, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of quick questions. Callum Hudson-Odoi, will he still be here at the end of January, Gary? Yes no. or no? No. Andy. I think he will, yeah. I think he will too, but that's, you know... But Gary's much wiser than us. You must much remember wiser, this. Yeah. And is, angrier. Yeah, and he's vapid as well. You know, let's... Vapid. It's actually vapid. No, it's vapid. No, it's not. Only, or, or only. smoking like fake cigarettes. <laughs> anyway, so last job of the night... You said a couple of questions. Yeah, the last job of the night okay. is... What's the prediction for tonight? For Tottenham and then for Newcastle? draw tonight um i think uh one all uh and i think uh newcastle i think two nil win okay gary tottenham three chelsea nil and it's going to feel like the semi-final in 2002 when they turned us over 5-1 at white Hart lane and against newcastle we'll win two nil okay yeah you made me a bit miserable now um i'm <laughs> i'm going to say we're going to win one nil tonight Morata's going to score, uh, and then we're going to win 3-0 against Newcastle. That's it. Well, all I can say is we're off to Wembley. I'm hoping it's going to be uh, a wonderful, inclusive evening, full of fun, football frolics, and uh, the general football mayhem. And hopefully when we see you next week, we'll only be talking about the football game. So, yeah, keep the blue flag flying high, and we'll speak next week. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.